welcome to Buenta Vista episode 131. Uh, I'm Andrew. I am here with our friend who we haven't seen for a while. It's our dear sweet beautiful friend, Lucy. That's me. Look, you've it, been off gallivanting with each other. Uh, we I have. just wasn't there. It's we've fine. been uh, co-locating. Mm. We've been uh, we've been hot desking with each other. <laughs> <laughs> you sure well, that have. kind of thing. Yep. Uh, I've been right here in the very same city as our sweet boy Theo. Hey Theo. Hey, how you going? Uh I'm pretty good. I'm pretty good. I mean uh as as people know, I have been up in Brisbane uh just escaping the bushfire smoke for a couple of weeks. Um I'm sure people are kind of aware of the bushfires by now. They've been in the news a little bit. We have mentioned it once or twice on the show, I think. We have, we have. Um, people will probably also know about my uh, now wild habit of checking the air quality index for Canberra every single day as soon as I wake up. I want to see how much particulates in the air today. And today was the first day in a very long time that I've seen um, the air stations rated as not only good, but two of them as very good. In the blue. How, what's very um, good? Is that like exceptionally good? It's got that sweet air. Yep, nice and clean. Um, and that's good because that beautiful clean air was able to carry a devastating hailstorm uh, with golf ball size, well, cricket ball, some people were saying, size hailstones. It was too big. I'm just going to say it. Too big. And I was trying to figure out uh, what part of Canberra is this storm hitting. And as I looked at like Twitter, where all the pictures and stuff were rolling in, and it seemed to be um, every part of Canberra <laughs> simultaneously just getting absolutely trashed by this thing. Um, there were videos coming in of like Parliament House and um, like the northern suburbs and the southern suburbs and like shots of all of Lake Burley Griffin getting like these massive hailstones dumped into it. And then all the reports of all the damage and stuff started coming in. Um, it looks like basically most cars that were outside in the city have just been totaled. Um, just massive hail damage and all their windows smashed in. Oh my God. Scott Morrison's yep. going to love this. It's, He's it's gonna the locusts it. next. Absolutely. Um friend of the show, uh, wife of the show, I should say, Dave, uh, was posting some pictures of um, all of the holes through the roof of his pergola and how now it looks like there's a disco ball in there with all of the light shining through. <laughs> um, other friend of the show, Liam, his car just had the, the back window just completely blown out. Um, so, yeah, we're, we're up here, of course, trying to have our little escape and now... We're going, oh, I wonder what's happened to our house. And um, our neighbors have been over there and sent us some pictures and said, oh, there's a broken broken window in your garage. And we're like, already broken. Uh, <laughs> they've been going around and pointing things out. And we're like, oh, that was already like that. Um, so we've got like one, one cracked window and like a, a damaged section of the deck that was already damaged. It's just now completely shredded. Um Whereas my parents, who are also up here, have just been getting photos from their neighbors of, like, uh, water pouring down the stairs and stuff. Taken mm. taken from outside, like, through the windows by the front door because no one can get in the house. Cool so stuff. That, Glad yeah, the weather is back to normal. Back. Well, it sounds bad, but, like, when you take the bushfires and then this hail and then you just sort of, like, average it all out on, like, a line. Yeah. The line's sort of somewhere good. near good. Mm. Which is true. really where you want it to be. There's it's also like thousands of people online just like, oh, I think think you'll find uh, uh, hail at this time of year is actually just perfectly normal and, and cool. So, uh, on the whole, we really don't have much to, to worry about apart from, you know, the absolute property damage and the way that everything just seems to be like seesawing manically between extremes. It's, it's good to me. And I'm actually smiling when I think about it. Mm. As we all know, uh, more like global cooling. Yeah, that's right. Because ice is cold. Mm. Mm -hmm. See, they changed ice the name of global warming is because they realized they were wrong about it. I read this on the internet the other day. Mm. You uh, can take that to the bank. Mm -hmm. Well, An Andrew Bolt, News Corp columnist Andrew Bolt, does love to stick with that type of uh, 
well, this place had an unseasonably huge snowstorm. So how about that, leftists? Fuck, so, you got me. Yeah, very cool. Uh, very cool stuff. Very nice to just feel for a moment there, like uh, things were back to normal and we could just go home and it would be normal uh, when another big-time psycho weather event has destroyed the city. <laughs> so, so that's pretty nifty. And we figured in that vein that we might um, have a little update, just a little update on the bushfire-type things that have been happening in the news. Um, there was this delightfully horrifying story from the Australian about um, a woman named Samantha Nishaw who was trying to protect her house um, you know, around New Year's Eve. So that was around the same time that I was stuck in Sussex Inlet with all the fires around there. Um, and she had to just strap on her scuba gear and get into the pool. Oh, my God. And sink down to the bottom of the pool. Um, she didn't have goggles or a mask, so she couldn't see anything that was happening. Um, and just had to stay down the bottom. Um, all she could see was flames above her house and uh, just the rest of the sky blacked out with smoke. Um, That's hell. You're, Andrew, you were describing hell. Imagine, mm. <laughs> imagine, yeah, the only way that you can avoid burning to death is to be completely submerged in water. I will say it makes her sound extremely cool. So there's, there's your bright side. It does. There, There's more than one movie where somebody has to, like, dive underwater while, while there's a big explosion and, like, stay underwater while the explosion happens. And mm. I say that this, this lady is an action movie hero, the likes of Arnold Schwarzenegger. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, luckily, luckily she was safe. Um, she had enough oxygen in her tank to last her an hour underwater. I'm glad it didn't have to be any longer than that because, frankly, even a few minutes of it sounds pretty I'm terrifying. I'm glad she had scuba gear. Just on hand. Very lucky. Well, this is, I think this is what they're talking about when they're talking about climate change adaptation, right? Well, you don't really want to stop it or that's too hard or expensive or, um, you know, that would mean us, like, believing in it. But what we should do is dig everyone a pool and mm. give everyone scuba gear and you sort it. You just, any time that, like, a massive, um, just, like, city-raising fire comes through, just pop on into the pool. Put your scuba gear on. Have a lovely little tropical holiday That's at the right. bottom of your pool while your, while your whole world burns down. You can put a little, maybe a little, like, fl uh, flamingo or, like, maybe some fake, like, coral or something down there give you something oh, yeah. to look at while you're thinking about nice. um all of your possessions and all that sort of stuff um uh you know your um various ferrets that you might have um that are still in the house all that sort of thing just have a think about that while you're in the scuba tank in the in your pool and you'll be fine you pop up after an hour all good ready just, to start dis again disrupt disrupt the paradigm just innovation <laughs> Mm -hmm. Change your way of thinking. Mm. Oh, yeah, it sounds like a nightmare. I wonder what kind of temperature the water was. Would like be nice. A nice, uh, like, mid-30s. Nice and toasty, I'm sure. <laughs> um, yeah, whether she was in there experiencing, like, the frog in a pot type thing. <laughs> oh, my goodness. It seems to slowly be getting slightly warmer. I love living in hell. It's super nice to think about. It makes my brain feel so good. Yeah. Um, so shout out to that lady for being a real life action hero, staying safe. Good to see. Um, another thing that was going on that I'm sure people saw footage of was the absolutely inexplicable decision to keep people playing at the Australian Open. Wow. So, yeah. yeah, like, uh, like properly hazardous levels of bushfire smoke. Um, definitely at the point where health professionals had been on the radio and on TV for weeks before this saying, don't go outside and exercise. Yeah, or, or outside bad. at all if you can help it. Yeah, don't, don't do anything for any sustained period outside. There'd been a lot of, because all this happened around New Year's Eve, there had been like doctors on, on like the radio saying, hey, if you're like trying to uh, start off a whole New Year's, New Year's fitness regime or whatever, You've committed to going for runs and that kind of thing. Maybe just stay inside and do some sit-ups or whatever. Uh, please don't do this uh, thing right now. But instead they said, hey, 
what if we got a bunch of elite tennis players to do a bunch of really hard cardio in the smoke while a bunch of idiots sat there and watched them? Uh, so, at least one player had to retire altogether with breathing problems. Um, and another one just went, nope, <laughs> I will be stopping my game now. Um, with air quality in Melbourne dropping to the worst in the world overnight. Um, Slovenia's Dalila Jakupovic, or possibly uh, Povic, I'm really not sure, uh, suffered a coughing fit halfway through her qualifying match against Switzerland's Stephanie Vogel, maybe, at Melbourne Park. Uh, which forced her to retire. She says, quote, I was really scared that I would collapse. That's why I went on the floor because I couldn't walk anymore. She said, adding, I don't have asthma and I've never had breathing problems. It's really like a new level of just pretending that everything's normal and okay, right? Like, just like like all of the efforts that we've got, the the tens of millions of dollars that we're kind of pouring into, um, like ads for tourism uh, immediately mm-hmm. after this, Um it's it's really just like different versions of pretending that everything's okay when uh, actually you might die from doing this. Stop stop doing this. Well, America, um, I believe America has been issuing like those travel advisory warnings and saying don't fly into yeah. Sydney or Melbourne unless you absolutely have to. Um, and of course, the government. And usually, they just been- have that warning for Sydney. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but but I think the government's priority has just been like uh, begging and pleading with them to not do that because it affects tourism. Uh, the most important thing of all, a sweet bit of tourism. Uh, so yeah, uh, there was also a match with former world number one Maria Sharapova against Germany's Laura Siegmund, and it was called off after officials decided the smoke was creating unsafe conditions. Uh, the former Wimbledon finalist Eugenie Bouchard also called several medical timeouts in her opening match. Great stuff. Um, just, just impossible to exist in. Uh, as a little fun fact to go along with that, overnight in that evening, firefighters were called to 200 false alarms triggered by the smoke haze. Oh my god! Jesus. There were still 16 fires burning in Victoria, which claimed four lives and destroyed 353 homes. Fires have been burning in the state since November, oh, mainly caused by dry lightning from thunderstorms. Uh, wow, covering up for the mm. thousands of arsonists that have oh, been arrested, uh, are we? I think, Andrew, you'll actually find that it's a uh, directed energy weapon from the UN <laughs> to clear a path for the high-speed rail. Well, that's a new okay. one. Didn't know we were getting something out of it. Yeah. That's good. Well, I mean, if you check... The path that the high-speed rail uh, goes, you'll find it's exactly where the UN's directed energy beam uh, set all of those fires. Wow! All, all at once. I'm convinced. It's actually it's pretty cool. I'll send you guys some links after this. You'll really you'll really it enjoy. Sounds interesting. It. Yeah, the, all of the URLs are very above board <laughs> <laughs> and normal. So, uh, hey, Lucy, here's one last um, horrifying little fact for you, especially... Lay it on me. I haven't, I haven't heard all of the horror. I haven't heard enough waves of, mm-hmm. <laughs> of anxiety-inducing stuff. Um, the last one that, that made me miserable when I saw it as a news headline was, um, you know, because the smoke has gradually been clearing from Canberra and other parts of, like, New South Wales and stuff... Um, that NASA has estimated that um, that they're predicting that bushfire smoke is going to do a full lap of the Earth and come back. Cool. So we'll all get uh, to experience a little of it. Oh. From the Sydney Morning Herald, the smoke from the Australian bushfires is so severe it is expected to complete a circle of the Earth, returning to the country's skies from the west. Take that, Perth. Mm. <laughs> Owned. The smoke has billowed into the lower stratosphere, reaching 17.7 kilometers above sea level, uh, NASA said this week. Or, as Theo might say, NASA. I mean, I'm not committed one way or another, all right? I'm just going to... Okay. You can I'm come hearing to me just reports for a, for a that you new... said NASA. That's what Fuck I've been off. hearing. It did, and it was like kind of a soft S, like NASA. Oh, I don't think that's true. Like, there, like there's, there's some sort of um, conflict on the NASA strip, you know? <laughs> Uh, this is grossly unfair. 
NASA satellites show that smoke has traveled more than 6,500 kilometers away from Australia, with some of it reaching Chile, where hazy skies and colorful sunsets have been reported. Uh, well, you can thank us for giving you a real-life Insta-filter, Chile. So, you know, little, little bit bleak and depressing over here, but fortunately there are positive, good things that we can talk about, like... Uh, Lucy filling us in on what's been going on in the U.S. presidential election. Oh, it's all so good over here. There's just so much good news. <laughs> Don't you guys love keeping up with the um, political cycle that some, for some reason lasts like, I feel like this has been going on for five years now. It it seems like um, it it's just immediately starts again. As soon as the election has happened, the next they're already happening. talking about like, all right, who's it going to be that's running like four years from now? And they just keep doing these debates over and over and over again to the point where many, I feel like there's nothing more to talk about. How many of them have they done? I've watched at least four. God. It's, Why? It's fucking <laughs> really crazy. at a point that's on you. <laughs> that is on me. It's just an extremely weird thing to do. And of course, we're getting to the point where the last debate was... Just like a hundred variations on um, just asking, uh, why do you disagree with Bernie Sanders on this issue? So, uh, the discourse is extremely normal, as I'm sure you've both seen. Well, it has seemed like they've they've now just gradually been getting more and more unsubtle about, you know, everything is... In, in, in what ways do you disagree with Bernard Sanders? Bernard Sanders. Bernard Sanders, the wrongest man on this mm-hmm. stage. It really is unbelievable, like, how much, like, you've probably seen all the tweets that are like, ah, Elizabeth Warren and Joe Biden in second and third place, and they just they just completely ignore Bernie Sanders. They just don't talk about him at all. Yeah. All of the ways that they find to not talk about how well he's performing. Mm-hmm. It's incredible. Very interesting. But I did find this... It's a ridiculous article, but I very much enjoyed reading it. This was in the Daily Mail, favorite publication of ours, the Daily Mail. (laughs) Um, And it's in the typical Daily Mail style. I love that they always follow the exact same template for all their articles. There's like... All the dot points up the top. Yeah, and there's a headline that's at least 30 to 40 words long. And some (laughs) words are in capital letters, so you know which ones to be mad about. Yep. And then they've got all the dot points. And then the whole article is just the dot points repeated but put into a paragraph. I really respect the art form. Um, so this one. Leaked Bernie Sanders 2020 campaign writer calls for candidates' hotel room to be, capital letters, freezing. And for <laughs> staff to stock up on honey packets for his tea if available. As well as check for le- leaky faucets or slow flushing toilets. <laughs> V- villainous Bernie Sanders villainous hoarding Bernie nation's Sanders honey wants his room to be freezing. Uh, I like I'm, I'm imagining like a Mister Freeze type ice chamber. <laughs> like Bernie Sanders comes freezing. in. It's too hot in here. It's too hot in here. <laughs> this is just so good. Referred to as the Senator Comfort Memo, the document offers specific arrangements that need to be for Sanders hotels, food, drink, family, and staff. Marked confidential for campaign staff use only, not for circulation. The two-page memo was dated April 10th, 2019. While the memo does declare that upgrades to a large suite should be avoided as much as possible, uh, Senator Bernie Sanders does like to utilize small junior suites, desiring (laughs) to exist in nippy (laughs) conditions. The memo states that Senator Bernie Sanders needs a fan in the room if the room's thermostat does not go below 60 degrees. What's that in normal person degrees? Oh, I'm trying to think. I think it's... Hang on. It's around 20 degrees? That's, f- that's 15 Celsius. That's pretty cold. Yeah, that's 15 degrees. That is... That is a refrigerated room. It is a refrigerated <laughs> room. Maybe they're right about this. The senator also asked not to be placed near elevators, ice machines, or any other high foot traffic spots. So, basically, what they're saying is that uh, he would like a small room mm-hmm. uh, with a tiny bed. Lots of a honey tiny packets. bed for one person. Um, some extra honey if you could get it for his tea. Because he does talk a lot. Mm. Talks a lot at all his rallies and everything. 
I I just I love the idea that like um, liking your room to be colder than the average person and like diva and liking to have honey for your tea is like the height of unreasonable demands. It's <laughs> it's so they've good. obviously got this memo. They're like, we've got to make a story about this. This freak wants his room freezing cold. We got to roast this old son of a bitch. Got him. Uh, out here trying to trying to steal. I don't know. Maybe um, I'm I'm just trying to think of like how how it is that somebody would be seeing this and then going ah terrible. What a hypocrite. What a real piece of shit. He's using all of our electricity to make his room cold, but he wants climate change to stop? That's the one thing I could think of. <laughs> oh, dear. Uh, maybe... May- <laughs> yeah, I can't, I can't come up with anything. Maybe if he was demanding that um, his refrigerated room only be powered by renewable energy, and they had to sort that out somehow. It's I feel like it's very much undercut. I feel like it's really undercut by saying, don't put me in a big room. I don't need one. Yeah, what a piece of shit. What an asshole. Fucking like <laughs> terrible man. Unbelievable. So, uh, that's the state of the political discourse out here at the moment. Wonderful stuff. Good stuff. Enjoying myself. I mean, who myself. could forget uh, Amy Kombucha or whatever. Like, <laughs> I'm not going to learn her name at this point in the, uh, in the race. Uh, getting... The thumbs up from New York Times, and everyone's uh, just like, "What is she? Who still in the race? Is this is very weird, a very so, odd thing to do?" So, for people like us who uh, look at the internet too much, the New York Times editorial board, which is different to the opinion board, um, or the the group of opinion columnists who write all of the weird racist stuff, where they put. Um, like white supremacists in there as references and that kind of thing, um, which seems to have happened a few too many times lately. It's but uh, so the editorial board had announced that they were going to do um, that they were going to endorse somebody uh, for president from the from the Democratic primary. Well, well, I don't even know if it's like it's not even endorsing someone for president. It's just endorsing who they think people should vote for. To be the Democratic nominee, mm-hmm. which is absurd. It is absurd, and the whole process is so absurd. Like a job interview, they get them all in and they sit down and so, oh, Mr. Sanders, uh, why would you be a good president? And he just sits down and goes, "Well, first of all, you know, fuck all y'all." And <laughs> uh, like, it's just a—it's such an odd process. It was it's very so strange. Weird. Especially because they turned it into this whole, like, um, like, I, like, I know like that... the bachelor waiting for the rose at the end. <laughs> well, what, it's what it was... so weird. I think what it was like most specifically was when um, LeBron James had finished his uh, contract at Miami, I think it was. Or it might have been, might have been the one before that. I'm going to get roasted about this because it's going to be like the wrong player and the wrong teams and all that sort of stuff. But um, but basically, he he did this whole thing of saying, um, I'm going to... Oh, it was called The Decision, not The Choice. There was a TV show called The Decision in which um, LeBron James was announcing which team he was going to sign with. Um, or like once, it, once his contract had come up. And it was this crazy, like, dragged out thing where, you know, they did a big build up to it and they were doing all, like, it, it was so much like this process with the, with the, the New York Times um, endorsement, where the whole time everybody was saying, number one, why are you doing this? Number two, the only thing this has succeeded in is making everybody band together to hate you for being self-important enough. <laughs> To try and create this massive process out of the thing. Absolutely absurd. I would definitely say that more people cared about where LeBron James would go on to play basketball uh, than who the New York Times thinks you should vote for as the person yeah, this whole endorsement who would become thing the nominee weird. to run. Yeah, it's very uh, official here. It's like, oh, they endorsed this person. It's like, it's just a thing that you say with your mouth or your keyboard. It's, it's meaningless, ultimately. And what's even dumber is that after all of this, all of these interviews with people and all this sort of stuff, 
Um, they made a big point with Bernie Sanders of like, oh, the problem is that, you know, he, he doesn't show any level of pragmatism. He's not willing to negotiate with people and Good. all that kind of stuff. And so, who did they wind up endorsing? Elizabeth Warren and Amy Klobuchar. <laughs> they endorsed two people. So, thank you for How spending- How ironic. Mm-hmm. Spending countless hours and then not even picking one person. And also, bizarre, bizarre choices as well. Like, like Amy Kombucha has just briefly stopped beating her staff with a stapler to accept the nomination. And like Elizabeth Warren, like I, I don't know. It's bizarre to me at this at this point that someone who has been changing uh lying her entire life about what she, what she's doing and and who she actually is um mm. would be placed in this in this situation but, sorry to get political yeah but sorry it about is that. weird to me it's just all the elizabeth warren bernie sanders discourse online is it seems very strange to me that you would support so many of elizabeth warren's policies but then not take them a step further and and like bernie sanders it doesn't make well, sense. Uh, I think the, the the other most ridiculous thing about the New York Times thing was that they showed they they wound up having a thing which was like the tally of who the different members of the editorial board had voted for in saying who they thought the endorsement should go to, and it was like Elizabeth Warren um, with eight of the votes, it was like 30 members total. Elizabeth Warren with eight of the votes, Amy Klobuchar with seven and Cory Booker with six of the votes who had already dropped out of the campaign (laughs) several weeks beforehand. Hell yeah. He's not even running anymore. And he got more votes from them than, um, Bernie Sanders. Who, who even, who, who gives a shit at this point? Honestly, like this has got to be the part where, like hundreds of thousands of people just throw in the towel and just be like, just no, words don't have meaning anymore. <laughs> this we are like beyond, beyond that. Who who fucking cares? Just we do officially endorse Bernie Sanders, though. That being yes. said, please vote yes. for Bernie Sanders. I can't afford to go to the doctor anymore. <laughs> please, please. My family is dying. Um. And, uh, yeah, like, I mean, the whole New York Times thing, Times thing was ridiculous anyway because I'm pretty sure everybody was on the same page that anybody, like, the the thing, the thing is, like, 1,000% just for the New York Times' own audience who would all have already made up their mind to vote for, like, Elizabeth Warren or Mayor Pete or some Pete shit. Pete anyway. Buttigieg. That's, I feel like that's their main audience. <sighs> Surprising that they didn't go with Mayor Pete. Pete. Uh, so, you know, that's good stuff. That's good stuff all around, and we love it. Love uh, it. Can't wait for several. I don't even know when the election is at this point. It's in November, isn't it? It's always in November. Oh, God. Um, so, you know, it's uh, we, we all stand ready, basically, for Bernie Sanders to keep polling higher and higher and higher and putting more distance from himself and... Uh, Joe Biden and Elizabeth Warren, and for the DNC to then say, and the nominee is Amy Klobuchar. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he's 1,000% going to get robbed again. Um, and I don't know how people are going to react to that. Unless he doesn't, unless the level of support for him is so overwhelming by that point that there's basically there's no way that they can deny it. What without- if he simply wins the nomination and then he wins and then everything is perfect forever? <laughs> Imagine that. We can we Just can like Harry Potter. Just That's like right. Harry Potter. Henry Pampas. Henry Pampas. Now, of course, we've missed Lucy so much and that's why we're oh. going to dip into one of our favorite segments. It's Paging Dr. Lucy. I'm never going to stop playing that thing. I've missed it. Like, I've missed it too. It's been a it's while, so it's funny sound. again. 
Oh, my goodness. Paging Dr. Lucy, um, where we look at, I guess, the biggest freaks on the internet. And we try to get Lucy's expertise in the world of relationship advice. See what these people should do. Uh, so, what do you have for us, Lucy? Oh, I haven't read this one. So, I'm just going to dive into it and listen to it along with you. <laughs> <laughs> From the Des Moines Register. That's Des Moines, Iowa. Man requests a trial by combat with Japanese swords to settle dispute with Iowa ex-wife. Yes. Hell yes, Iowa ex-wife. That is a character I want to get to know. <laughs> a Kansas man has asked an Iowa court to grant his motion for trial by combat so he can meet his ex-wife and her attorney on the field of battle where he will rend their souls from their corporal bodies. <laughs> King. David Ostrom, 40, of Paola, Kansas, claims in court documents that his ex-wife, Bridget Ostrom, 38, of Harlan, has destroyed him legally. I'm sure she has. He I asked, to be legally destroyed. <laughs> it's the worst way to be destroyed. He asked the Iowa District Court in Shelby County to give him 12 weeks lead time in order to source or forge katana <laughs> and wakizashi swords. Hell yeah. <laughs> As first reported by the Carol Times Herald. I I had missed that detail earlier that he needs to source a sword or forge one himself. <laughs> forge one. He's going to like be blacksmithing out the back, forging his katana. Oh, yes. uh, The defense requests a 12-week recess <laughs> for katana. <laughs> to become a master sword maker. Oh, my God. To this day, trial by combat has never been explicitly banned or restricted as a right in what? the United States. Ostrom what the fuck argues, are you saying? Well, he argues this in court records. I don't know if that's okay. true. Uh, adding that it was used as recently as 1818 in British court. As recently? <laughs> when reached by phone, Ostrom told the Des Moines Register that he got the idea after learning about a 2016 case in which New York Supreme Court Justice Philip Minato acknowledged that duels had not been abolished. Ostrom said the motion stemmed from his frustrations with his ex-wife's attorney, Matthew Hudson of Harlan. I think I've met Mr. Hudson's absurdity with my own absurdity, he said. <laughs> uh, Ostrom, who said he plans to request the same mediation tactic for any other disputes that may arise in court, <laughs> added that his ex-wife can choose her attorney as a champion or stand-in fighter. <laughs> Oh, oh my God! Oh, that's really beautiful. Good. Imagine if it backfires though, and she shows up with like the mountain dude from Game of Thrones. Uh, here's my champion for this fight. Mm, it would suck. Oh, bring somebody along who can just like cleave him down the middle <laughs> in the single swing of a big battle axe, you know? Oh, because the I problem is this. Oh, look, one thousand percent. And as far as ways to just, like, totally gum up the court system go. Mm -hmm. I just, think. I need to know much more about the line, I've met Mr. Hudson's absurdity with my own absurdity. I need to know what led to this point. I'm assuming it's just been a very, uh... Aggressive court battle. Yeah, very protracted and, and angry, um, family court situation. And he said, that's it. Time for me to kill my ex-wife's attorney with a sword. <laughs> with a katana. <laughs> but I hope first, this sets off like a whole area of legal academic research where everyone has to like frantically check. Oh, can can he just do the katana thing? Is that like like getting all scrolling? their paralegals to go and do the research for it? Yeah, like, dusting off like old <laughs> legal tomes and like scrolling through there. Like, oh, it doesn't say. There's no mention of no katana for this. Uh, <laughs> I feel like he's we start with um, claymores. I feel like he's banking on like a um, on an Airbud type situation where he's he's hoping that the judge is going to say, "Well, it doesn't say anywhere in the rule book that he can't challenge him to to a sword all, fight." All law should be settled this way. It should be just like a um, just a race to the bottom of finding the most absurd kind of legal loophole. Uh, which means you get to cut your wife's lawyer in half uh, with a gigantic <laughs> sword. Yeah, I guess um, it is. It is also kind of matter of uh, of who wants it 
who wants it more? <laughs> you know, like it's like playing chicken. It, it's like yeah, oh, exactly. Julie, I like this guy's got a real sword. appetite for it. It's one thousand percent legal <laughs> legal chicken, as this dude says. You know, it might end up like the um, remember the episode of The Simpsons where Homer goes around slapping everybody with a glove and challenging mm. them to a duel, and everybody uh-huh. backs off, and then one day a guy is like, "Okay, I'm going to kill you." <laughs> what I'm happens? You what happens? <laughs> What happens the day that somebody's attorney goes, okay, I will now also put all of my uh, legal firepower behind making this happen as well? But if it becomes like, like a oh precedent, no. then law courses would have to be like 50-50, like one half, you know, torts and constitutional law and all that sort of stuff. And uh, 50% Mortal combat with an array of <laughs> deadly weapons. <laughs> oh, man. I am into it. So, Lucy, do you think that basically this guy should get to sword fight the attorney? I think so. I don't want him to sword fight his wife, but I feel like he really was suggesting that she present the attorney as the champion in battle. I feel like his his beef is with the attorney, and I respect it. Wonderful stuff. Um, Well, here's hoping that one day we get to hear a little more about Iowa ex-wife. You know? I want much more Iowa ex-wife. That is a great character. Hmm. Uh, hey, how about another Lucy segment? Oh, my God. Uh, this is your captain speaking. Please return your seats to their upright positions as we are coming in hot on another edition of Plainly Speaking. Yes, it's Plainly Speaking. We're talking about plane chat, baby. Yes. I got to go on a plane recently. It's a what good time. What kind of plane was it? Uh, I went on an Airbus A330. It's a good big plane. Mm, a big boy. It was very nice. Big bopper. Uh, my kids got to go on there. Well, I think um, no, our six-year-old had been on a plane before, but when she was a baby, when she was very little, um, and our four-year-old had not been on a plane at all, and they both got to go on a plane recently, and they were very, very pleased. Good. Uh, thus begins the lifelong love affair. With the plane. We're going to be plane freaks now. Automotive of the sky. That's a rude thing to say about planes, but it's fine. <laughs> they kill a lot less people in fairness sure to planes. sure do. A lot less people. Yeah. Unless Ex- you're a Boeing 737 <laughs> Max. Am I right? Is that where you were going with this? Hey, look. Uh, take me there. Take I me there. I will take you there. Because uh, we have spoken about... Around. We've spoken about the, the 737 Max on the show before. I believe. Sure have. Very ill-fated plane. So ill-fated that even non-plane freaks know to avoid this specific plane. It's very impressive. Um, oh, so, goodness. there has been leaked emails going around. Are, are they leaked? I, I think so. I don't know the source of them. Anyways, headline, Boeing employees mocked FAA and clowns who designed 737 MAX. Already enjoying myself. Oh, it was. Uh, th- this is all stuff that's been um, given to congressional investigators. Oh. Uh, so <laughs> imagine having to turn over all of your emails in which you are constantly roasting all employer. of the people you work with. Oh, love it. Incredible. Uh, so the company expressed regret at the embarrassing communications it sent to investigators on Thursday, which included a comment that this airplane is designed by clowns who are in turn supervised by monkeys. <laughs> Ah, roasted What an entertaining workplace It's a great roast I would love to know who wrote that Uh, Boeing employees mocked federal rules Talked about deceiving regulators And joked about potential flaws in the 737 MAX As it was being developed According to over 100 pages Of internal messages delivered Thursday To congressional investigators Now it's funny for them to joke about that Because hundreds of people have died Mm, it's hilarious. Were they were they doing the they did the joke before the deaths, didn't they? You would yes. assume so. That's where I'm, so. what I'm taking from this. But like it it is horrifying the extent to which this entire situation and if you haven't read up on on the history of the, of the 737 Max and how they got to this point and everything, it is both fascinating and history. horrifying. There's a great article, I think it's in the Atlantic, was the Really good article yeah, about it that explains big, big all the details of everything that went fucked up. 
And and I guess more than anything else, it's also kind of a perfect example of what the sort of the the ethos, the capitalist ethos has been with a lot of companies for the last couple of decades, which is, you know, strip out any part of your company that is is supposed to be there for like compliance and regulation and safety and skip as much of that stuff as you can if it's costing you any kind of money. Because mm-hmm. uh, the only thing that matters is scraping back a tiny bit of profit at the expense of anything. It's just that if you happen to be in the business of making planes, uh, the expense comes on the back of hundreds of people that you kill at a time when one of your big planes crashes. That's it. So there's obviously staff joking about this stuff, but there's another article that came out today that basically said that most of these emails are just describing how much Boeing encouraged them to constantly only be thinking about cost at all times. Which is uh, super cool. It's very weird. I mean, um, you know, I know we've talked as well before about things like WeWork and Uber and all those companies where, like, it, it seems like making money is never even a part of the business model, like making a profit. Um, so, it's very, it's very weird how much of the time... Um, with a lot of these these newer companies that profit isn't even a part of the model. It's just, hey, let's capture a big section of the market and then sell the company or whatever, you know. Mm. Um, but even even with older companies that over time have outsourced more and more of their com- um, more and more of their like capacity and stuff to they've outsourced things. Like part of that long read in the Atlantic that they really made a point about was that Boeing for a really long time had had this like stellar reputation for safety and for having like great engineers and really high standards and stuff. And yeah, I guess the issue is particularly in like, uh, particularly in the airline industry is that once you've kind of fucked up your reputation for safety, mm. there's kind of no fixing that. You can't yeah, say, oh, we'll, we'll not do that with our other planes. <laughs> yeah, sorry about it. Whoops. Uh, we've, we've learned from the killing all the people mistake, mm. uh, which does in turn make me think of, uh, on a not really related note, um, the editorial published by The Australian last week in which they came out on the defensive at all of the people out there saying hey, uh, it's kind of messed up that the Australian and News Corp have been publishing all of this climate denial stuff for years and years and have, you know, been really aggressively against any sort of progress or change. And they came out with this editorial saying, News Corp has always believed in climate change. What? Yep, and, and the, you know, impact that it has on the environment and all this stuff. And, you know, we stand by our reporting and everything. And mm. just the, the, like, universal reception to this was, like, you know, we can, like, read the newspaper, right? It's, like, you know still the on there. It's, like, online. You can just Google it. Yeah. You know, people can see the stuff you publish. And um, as I saw somebody online put it, uh, it's almost like News Corp are finding out during all the bushfire stuff. They're finding out in real time that you can't unfuck a reputation that you've spent, like, decades making, you know? Mm. Uh, so very cool for Boeing, cool stuff. I think, to call people <laughs> an airplane designed by clowns who are in turn supervised, supervised by monkeys. By monkeys. Other I great comments. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, I just wanted to know if the clowns were also dressed like monkeys. Oh, sorry, if the monkeys were also dressed like clowns. I Grease assume. So. I assume the there's like a, a bigger, like a gorilla clown that's running the show. That's how I'm picturing this. The Boeing the biggest monkey. Going, the biggest monkey. He's enormous and he's running the show at Boeing. Biggest monkey is the big boss. That's right. But do go on. Oh, yes. Just uh, some other key fantastic comments from these emails. Would you put your family on a Mac simulator trained aircraft? I wouldn't, one employee said to a colleague in another exchange from 2018 before the first crash. No, cool. the colleague responded. No, I wouldn't let my family fly on one of our planes. Huh. Mm. No, I have flown on these lots of times, so that's a very comforting thought for me to have. Very reassuring. People love flying. People feel like flying is so safe, and I'm sure that Boeing's reputation will not be damaged at all. 
And I'm sure there isn't a million other very damaging emails and pieces of information that are going to come out in the following years. Do you, like, do you think that this is likely to happen with any other airlines or is this kind of exclusive to this particular model of aircraft where they just said, oh, we could build a whole new plane or we could strap some big engines to this one and like turn off the don't crash me chip? Well, I just, I don't think Airbus would ever do this to me. That's just my <laughs> opinion. <laughs> my sweet, precious Airbus. I mean, I'm sure that this stuff happens all the time and it just hasn't happened to have crashed. There hasn't been a disaster, but of course there's probably cut, like cost cutting and just shitty business practices going on all the time in huge companies like this, which is insane because Boeing makes exorbitant profits. There's no reason for this kind of thing. Well, I feel like everybody's complained about airlines for like decades has just been the gradual like shearing back of any form of service that they give to you from like letting you check bags on without paying money for it and giving you a meal when you're on a reasonable length flight and you know slowly decreasing the amount of leg room and all the things and like all of these things i assume are done to a fit more passengers on a plane and b mm -hmm. pay less for fuel yeah, that's it. Um, so, that's the general driving motivation behind everything. But like I said, you, you combine that with, you know, making massive profits at the same time. And also that apparently some of the airlines have been applying this same kind of deal to um, the same sort of cost-cutting measures to the actual safety part as well. And it's kind of terrifying. It is a little scary. It's not. It's not a huge thing to be worried about. In most countries, you know, there's definitely certain airlines in other countries that don't follow the federal aviation rules, but airlines are generally pretty good with it. I think this is very much just a Boeing problem. Well, I saw an extremely sad uh, airplane related story the other day, mm. which was about a lady who was traveling, uh, traveling somewhere with her big boxer, like her dog, um, and... This was during the heat wave that was happening recently. And so, she was like, oh, I'm kind of worried about putting my dog in the cage and him having to wait out on the tarmac. And they're like, don't worry. The animals are only ever out on the tarmac for like five to ten minutes max. Oh, I hated this in. story. And then... Um, and she said, well, I'm, I'm going to wait with him here in the terminal like until the absolute last minute that you have to take him out there. And they were like, cool, we'll do that. And then they came and said, look, we got to get him in the cage now because we're loading everything on the plane. And they put him in the cage and she went back up in the terminal and like looked outside and they had wheeled the dog out onto the tarmac next to the plane and sat him down there in the cage under no shade. Oh my God. Like on the baking hot tarmac, 40 degree plus day. And then they didn't load him on the plane. And 10 minutes went past and 20 minutes went past and she was like, load my dog in the plane. And they were like, don't worry, they'll do it any minute now. And then 30 minutes went past and 40 minutes went past. She was apparently like crying up in the terminal and saying like, please let me go and get my dog and bring him back in. I'll not go on the flight or whatever. And they phoned down there and the guys on the tarmac were like, ah, he's fine. And so they wound up leaving this dog out on the tarmac, no shade, 40 degrees plus for over an hour. Oh my God before they loaded him into the plane and then they got to the other end and she got off the plane and they went, oh, your dog's dead. Sorry. But he was fine when we put him in the plane. Why have you so, told me this horrible story? I hope she sues them for a billion me dollars. Me too. Me too. Because, yeah, apparently they're like, well, the thing was, um, I think it was, I'm pretty sure it was Qantas. Uh, wow. That killed this lady's dog. Unbelievable. Qantas having a bad time lately. Did we see the drama yesterday on Twitter? Uh, I don't the know. Qantas Lounge drama. Oh, they didn't. Oh. Let, they didn't let the girl, the the lady, in because she was wearing a tracksuit. Active wear. Active wear. Active wear. Mm. Who who gives a shit? On Formal, one hand, like I mean, who gives a shit about being in the Qantas Lounge? I mean, it's yeah. like it's just. I it was uh, former professional wrestler Eva Marie. Thank you. Let her in. Who cares? Who, who cares? cares? 
I uh, don't care because I've never been in a Qantas lounge and I assume that it fucking sucks. Oh, I went in there. It's just a room that you sit in. It's, that's it. They got some shitty soup. People's can get a crown are, lager. Oh, very, very strange. This is what they do instead of paying their taxes. Mm. They get <laughs> sit in these business rooms. lounge and passes. Business class. Why fly um, business class? What's the point of it? You're going to be in the plane anyway. You're going to yeah, feel I'm, like shit. You're breathing the same shitty air. It's going to dry up your nostrils the same I'm way. I'm uncomfortable 24-7. <laughs> Why would I pay $3,000 for a flight and still be uncomfortable? I don't... Hmm. I, eh. Crazy stuff. Insane. Um, so, anyway, very sad story. I do hope that lady sues the living shit out of Qantas. Um, but, yeah, like, it was it was wild that Qantas put out a statement that was like, we are very sympathetic to this lady, uh, but it's totally not our fault because the dog was alive when he went onto the plane. I'll see you in court with a katana, Qantas. Absolutely. <laughs> I will be in there requesting lead time to forge the finest of blades with which to cleave your attorney's head from his body. I would absolutely do that if someone killed my dog. Now, there's one other uh, plane-related story that I added to the docket here because, to me, it is funny. I feel like this one's very important to you, so I'll let it you. Is. I'll let you go for it. <clears throat> A British Airways flight was forced to turn around because of, quote, a smelly poo. <laughs> <laughs> the, pl- the plane was headed from Heathrow to Dubai on Thursday, a seven-hour flight. Oh boy, that's a long one. Uh, Abhishek Shakdev, who was on board, tweeted, quote, Insane. A BA flight to Dubai returned back to Heathrow because of a smelly poo in the toilet. <laughs> He told a newspaper, the pilot made an announcement requesting senior cabin crew, and we knew something was a bit odd. About 10 minutes later, he said, you may have noticed there's quite a pungent smell coming from one of the toilets. He said it was liquid fecal excrement. Those are the words he used. You can just say, di- if you're making a diarrhea <laughs> announcement, just say the words. <sighs> he made an announcement. Just to put on the thing and be like, hello, this is your captain speaking. <laughs> it's, it's, just, it's just so funny to me because, like, apparently they'd only been airborne for 30 minutes oh of God. a seven-hour flight and someone's taken a shit so bad that had to ground the flight. Imagine being that person because I assume they didn't blame the person. They didn't know who did it, but you would know that you did it. Oh, the next available flight was 15 hours later, which meant they had to get everybody off the plane and put them up in a hotel. What if it kept happening? <laughs> what, just at what the start like, of every flight? What if it was like the guy that um, flew the drone over Heathrow, uh, but it was just a guy whose entire purpose in life is just to, <laughs> as, soon as, as soon as the seatbelt lights go off, just immediately diarrhea into the toilet so badly that it forces an international flight to turn around. My God. And like... How do you make that call? How do you decide that it's too smelly? Like, what's the line here? I, Like, how bad could it have been? I don't know. Uh, Speaking to Radio 1's Greg James, Sarah, who works for the airline, said, when you're up at that altitude, the cabin has to be pressurized. So, the problem is that anything like that is actually a health and safety problem because only 50% of the air is being recycled and cleaned. Poo particles everywhere. Like, uh, oh, do you think somebody's done one of these ones that we've had uh, written into, into the show about before of like the someone who was just drop their pants and then like coated half of the room kind of thing like a we cannot clean this up situation maybe this is a this is a we need the big pressure washer kind of scenario I feel like i feel like they have to treat this like a they have to build planes this probably comes back to the cost cutting but i think they would have to build a plane like a like they would build a space station right to be able to just just jettison a module just- <laughs> <laughs> 
say that room's a write-off and just like and just seal it up. Even if they don't drop it out of the plane, just hermetically seal it from the rest. Uh, yeah, you just drop it from the sky, crushing somebody's like 2009 Volkswagen Beetle. You know? <laughs> just build one of those evil space AIs, except its entire job is to work out when the toilets in the plane have too much diarrhea in them to just. <laughs> Hermatically seal them from the rest of the plane My goodness My goodness Well I mean it would be a real shame if something were to Drop on you out of the sky uh, From a plane Go go on For example uh, Lucy Hit us with this one Ah you want to be hit with Delta plane dumps jet fuel Over US schools In emergency landing causing minor injuries To 40 what minor injuries do you receive from getting jet fuel dumped on you? Uh, fuel in the eyes, I guess. I suppose so. Fuel dumped by an airliner making an emergency return to LA International Airport due to an engine problem has fallen onto three schools. I love that it just hit three schools. Just incredible luck. Nothing uh, else. Nothing else. Causing minor irritation to 40 children and adults. Uh, the incident occurred around noon in the Kudahi area of southeastern Los Angeles County. Don't tell me if I mispronounce that. I simply don't care. About 21 kilometers east of the airport. Fuel dumping is a process used in certain emergency situations to reduce the weight of the airplane, but according to aviation rules, nearby facilities need to be warned by air traffic controllers. <laughs> Oh, here. Let's hear from... Uh, hey, we're looking, to, we're looking to dump a lot of fuel onto some schools in a second. <laughs> just calling up the school like, there's just, we're just going to dump some fuel on your school. Just Yeah, I hope, hope that's cool. Uh, it's going to be a lot of fuel. Hey, in about two minutes, you're going to want to make sure that all those kids are inside. Mm-hmm. It's not recess right now, is it? <laughs> well, let's hear from sixth grader Diego Martinez. He said oh, let's. He- <laughs> He said he and his classmates were outside for physical education class when they saw the airplane flying low overhead. It was very close, he said. Thanks, Diego. Shortly afterwards, the air filled with the pungent odor of fuel. It was very strong, the odor, the 12-year-old said. Diego wasn't doused, but some of his friends complained that their skin was itching. Let's hear from the friends then, you know. Don't, don't interview an onlooker. I want to hear from the guys on the ground. I hear that first-hand account. Mm-hmm. No one was hospitalized. Um, Jordan <laughs> High was also affected. went home very red. <laughs> uh, no one was treated at the other school. All minor injuries. None of the victims needed hospitalization. That's, that's good to that's know. That's not bad. I would have thought that jet fuel was a more caustic on the skin, you know? Oh, I want to know how much got on these kids. I know, right? Is this like, much they, ado about were nothing? They, like, Nickelodeon slimed with it? Like, was it just poured <laughs> over their heads or just getting like a little, little spray of jet fuel? Yeah, they didn't have to take uh, any of them to hospital because they were able to establish at the scene that they had been made instantly and irreversibly blind. <laughs> oh, there's nothing we can do about this. That's it. Oh, dear. Anyway, it's the kind of airline safety that we love. Love it. Love just dumping jet fuel on children. That's the kind of airline news I like to hear. Safer there than in the plane, apparently. (laughs) That's right. Take one for the team sometimes, Diego. (laughs) 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 Got to keep our our safety margins up, you know? It's like Mm -hmm. Diego doesn't even care about airplane safety. I know, right? (laughs) Unbelievable. Very good stuff. Um, well, it's been very nice to have you back in the saddle, Lucy. Oh, it's been great. I love all this plane news. I love not talking about any of Australian politics because oh. it's very depressing. It's pretty depressing. So, folks, if you would like to write into the show, tell us about a thing, say hi or whatever, you can send something into mailbag at buntavista.com. Uh, you can also call up, leave a message. Australian listeners can call in on 1-800-317-515. And American listeners can call in and tell us about your terrible airlines on 732-876-3446. So, that is it for us this week, other than a bonus episode. 
which we add a little later in the week, you can get that by going to patreon.com slash Vista. Uh, slapping down your five American big ones per month to get an extra episode every week. Uh, you know you would love to do that. You, you know would. you'd love it. Just think about your life. Just imagine your life if you were With in the Bunta Vista Discord. Much, twice as much uh, airplane toilet talk per That's month. Right. You know? Mm-hmm. We would love to see you there. So thanks for joining us and we will catch you next week. So long. Bye. Bye.